So answer this question honestly. How many of you have ever thought about how wonderful it would be if we could go back in time to a much simpler time and place? This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome to the Thursday edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. You know, the other day, I was waking up in the early morning hours and I was thinking back to the beginnings of my radio career and how much fun I had at that first radio station that I worked at. And I'd even been offered a full-time job and, and to delay going on to an engineering school to learn electronics. They'd asked me to consider, right out of high school, staying around and doing middays. And it was really a wonderful, fun little radio station in a small town. It paid okay. It wasn't great. But it was a start. And I really thought about hanging on for maybe a few years and then go to school later. Maybe go to school part-time in my region. But some little voice inside said, don't take the job and move on. And it's a good thing I did. As much as I love that radio station, the simple life in that community, and all that could have been accomplished, the radio station sold about a year later, format changed, and I would have been out of a job early in my career. I wish I could go back to 1972. I wish that 1972 could have lasted for a decade, but it didn't. Life goes on. We have a lot of news out there that is very troubling at times that we have to deal with. Things going on in the Middle East, things going on in our own government, the corruption, the lies, the issues, the the corporate greed that is tied in with government greed. They're both hand in hand. And we often wish for a simpler time. I have to consume a lot of news. And I get tired of it, to be quite honest. I have to watch it. I have to read it, view it, digest it, live it. It wakes me up many a night. But I do that in order to present this program to you. Recently, I found some solace and refuge in watching old TV shows from the 50s, the 60s, and the 70s. A simpler time and place. We all need a little respite. We all need to get away. And we're going to talk about how to, shall we say, separate ourselves from the world a little bit over the next several days. Jim Calhoun is a frequent fill-in host for me here on Truth to Ponder. And he lives down on the farm in, in the great state of Nebraska. And I've asked Jim to join me on the program today. And I want to share with him and with you some of the things happening behind the scenes. And also, I want to spend a little time talking about the things we need to be aware of that much of the mainstream media is absolutely ignoring. So, Jim Calhoun, I welcome you to the program. And and how are things down on the farm? It's very, very interesting. (laughs) That's the nice way to put it. I am still trying to put up hay. I'm still harvesting, and I'm a month behind. Wow. And no matter what I do, no matter how many hours I put in, I just it's just not happening. I Yesterday, I wanted to get finished with one field. I got three fields to finish, 
and they're raked up and ready to bail, but I can't keep my balers together. And I had one baler came apart on the inside where the the moving parts, half the moving parts in the baler stopped and half the moving parts kept going. So you know what happened there. That was a major crunch and that's being rebuilt now. Mm. Luckily, I have a friend that's an expert on those balers and then I took my spare baler out and I don't know what happened, but the tractor I was using got stuck in reverse. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have to pull the top of the transmission off and figure out what's going on there. And uh, then I switched tractors and then the baler decided not to work. <laughs> so that was my yesterday. Is I, I guess my farm work is I'm, I'm turning into a mechanic. <laughs> well, probably the, I, the I think thing. you've shared with me and you might as well go ahead and be honest and share with the audience. You love that vintage equipment. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the only thing I can afford, first of all. But, yeah, I could work on it. That's another and benefit. Anytime I have, I have a lot of friends that harvest hay, and they will tell me their repair costs. They'll say, well, I just put $20,000 into this. I just put 6000 into that. I just put 10000 into this. <clears throat> and then, uh, now this is four years ago. I had zero problems four years ago. And my expenses for the year were just a handful of bolts, and I think it was like $4. Mm. And uh, I don't have a lot of cash going out with my breakdowns, so it's it's really inexpensive. It's just time. Yeah, and time, time, is, a, hey, and is, listen, time is a commodity. Unfortunately, once it's spent, you can't get it back. Right. And so, you know, people say time is money, and I know I'm losing money. But here's the, the part that I think is just great. This time of year, the sun angle is different, and hay cures different. And I mowed down some hay literally a month ago. And mm-hmm. usually if it lays over three or four days you know, too long, the hay is not good. But I just bailed up some yesterday. I bailed up about 400 bales. And the bales are nice and green. They're not bleachy at all. And I've already fed my cows some of these. I taste tested them with my cows and they loved it no you didn't taste yeah. test them no oh, okay just checking <laughs> no and so anyway um i'm i'm okay as far as that the hay is not getting hurt it's just as probably my pride is getting hurt because you know i'm i'm sure people drive by and wonder what has he got done today and i put in 12 and 16 hour days and i'm getting maybe 30 minutes worth of work or an hour and it's just everything. It's like that perfect storm, you know, yeah. things kind of come up and all break at once. But it's end of season. And also, I'm on an old field that is so rough, I just have to creep and go as slow as I can. Mm-hmm. And even just creeping along at a stale's pace is still, you know, stressing the equipment out. So if there's a stress crack or something that was mm-hmm. kind of starting to break, well, that field is finishing it off. But the good news is, is after I get done with this field, everything will be totally field ready for next year because as I'm fixing it, I'm fixing it for next year. I'm not just cobbling it and putting it back on the field. I'm, right. I'm fixing it right. Earlier this week, you, you spent some time. I'd ask you to do this program because of a lot of material that, that is sent to me by email, things from listeners and friends, and, and some of the news stories from the alternative sources that I go to, they mention a lot 
the disappearance or the dangers or the slow erosion of, when I say erosion, I mean not physically in the dirt, but the erosion of the family farm, we're not seeing as many anymore. And many people are just getting out of it, giving up. My wife always laments here. Uh, we There are places in Florida that used to be ranches. I can remember one called Lakewood Ranch, and now it's the, nothing more but million-dollar homes. And there are many, you know, McIntosh Ranch, uh, so many that I knew in Florida. They're now developments. The farming is gone. Well, and, and even here in Virginia, here you, you see we're still more rural here than where I've been. And even in Georgia, many farms are now... Well, they've turned into housing tracks. What's well, happened to the family farm? Well, first of all, that's kind of a multi-tiered answer to this question. One thing is, is that right now, <clears throat> excuse me, one thing is that right, <clears throat> man, I got something in the throat that's been from bailing. One thing that is the problem is you have very aggressive real estate companies that are mailing out just brochure after brochure every day in the mailbox i get at least one realty company asking me to sell mm-hmm. and so you have that constant tapping on the shoulder of the farmer saying hey you can get some quick money here just sell and so that's you know several times a week if not every day i get i get something in the mail and then also you have in most states the ability for corporations to own farms, which Nebraska, it's illegal, which is really good. But like in Kansas, corporate farming is the norm. Mm. And when you have the big food companies, the ConAgra's and the the Del Monte's and, you know, the big companies like that, when you have them in trying to buy farm ground, well, they have very deep pockets and it's real easy for them to add an extra zero or, or, you know, to add some incentive for the farmer to sell. Mm -hmm. And you have just hundreds of square miles that are being bought up and the farms are still there, but they're not inhabited anymore. And then what they do is after they buy it, after a year or two, they finally get around to taking bulldozers and knock the farmstead down. Mm. They take the trees out, the buildings, and then the next time you drive by that farm, it just looks like there never was a farm there. And so you have, I guess, greed. You have people that are offering a lot of money and people who are accepting. And then the price of operation is just incredible. As far as like machinery and Mm. repairs and... Uh, and it's it's just seems that almost every farmer has to have a day job to support their farming habit, which I think is ludicrous as far as, you know, if you're running a business, farm well, is a well, business. Well, let me ask this question. Maybe let me see if I'm understanding this and, and maybe this will help the listeners as well. Do you feel that the way everything is being structured between regulations, federal and even in some in many cases, state regulations, are being put together in favor of the corporate farming entities. Absolutely, and, definitely. And and how and and they're designed to have a increasingly negative impact on the private family farmer. Exactly. It's just like the private bakery or the private little grocery store, the mom and pops mm-hmm. restaurant. 
you know, in COVID, they shut down all the small people and they funneled everyone into the box stores. That's right. And it's the corporations, that's the oligarchy that I see that's been formed in this country. And it's the corporations that are all interconnected in one way or another. And it's kind of like the good old boy system, only it's the good old corporate system instead of just a... Well, it's a fascist system. And I've said I said that earlier this week it, on the it program. Ver- it's totally it, fascist. It very much is fascist. But they're... I like to say that the small guy has a target on his back. He does. And the small guy does not fit in the future plans of their glorious new world order. Mm -hmm. And family farms are viewed as a family butcher shop or a family shoe store or whatever family Mm -hmm. operation. And it's just something they have to get rid of. And plus, I think they finally have got around to trying to make it so they can use food as a weapon like they did with oil. Absolutely. And I think they want to be able to control the output and the production and the the whole flow of the food supply from seed to table. I think they want to control it. And farmers and ranchers are a stubborn bunch of people. They are. And also they're very independent. Well, what is a big, what is a huge threat to the new world order? stubborn independent people and that, so well, that will not comply exactly and so socially they have to get rid of that mindset and they got to get rid of that kind of a person well that's where that's and where the economically con- that's where the concept to- of you know guaranteed income comes in to give a disincentive for being creative on your own exactly they're wanting everyone to group think and they're trying to what i say on my program is that it's like the population is a group of wild horses mm-hmm. and how you capture wild horses is you don't go out there and, and chase them and try to rope them and that's not the right way to do it. Mm-hmm. What you do is you look at their natural place where they're at and then you start building a fence around that and then you just keep contracting that fence mm-hmm. and after a while it's a corral instead of a pasture because the horses have been confined they're kind of used to the fence because they, you know, have seen it, but it hasn't made them feel threatened. And so they don't really fight as hard when it does finally creep in on them. Mm. And we are like a group of wild horses and everything that the government, with the help of the corporations, with the fascist system that we now have in place, which I totally agree with that, we're having the fence moved in on us on all angles. And we're in a corral. We don't know it yet. But we either have a choice. We're either going to be corralled and controlled or we're going to try to bust through the fence and, you know, try to save the republic and uh, our society as it was founded. And I just hope and pray that it's not too late that we can't do something about this this structure they built around us. But it's it's really strong. You know, these people that are what I consider Satanist or the new world order globalists they these people have been working on this a long time absolutely and they're extremely smart and they're way ahead of us and it takes people like you and me and others that are willing to stick their neck out and tell the truth that we are in trouble and at least if nothing else at least open your eyes you don't have to believe that we're in as bad trouble as i think we are but at least open your eyes to the possibility and Use your own head and look at things. You know, when you, you, we talk a lot on this radio program 
about a number of things. And Bill Gates, you know, the the guy that stole an operating system so he could begin a company called Microsoft and stole the idea of a graphic user interface from Apple and changed it just enough to get away with it. You know, he made his mega billions with a company called Microsoft, and now he's the world's foremost vaccine expert, farming expert, uh, just how the world should run expert because he's Bill Gates. And so, I number one, I don't take the word of a thief, and that's what he is, uh, for how I should live my life. But exactly. he's But he's been a major proponent of buying up farmland here in the United States. So what's that all about? Well, he wants to control the food. He wants to control the medical and the vaccines. And it's just a natural fit to, you know, go into a country and give them the poison vaccines, which is what he's even been caught saying that his vaccines will lower the population. That's right. And he's, he and talked about thing, Africa in that regard. Exactly. He talked about the out of control population of the impoverished and the well and and what he was really trying to say and this is not me saying this is what these globalists think they look at people in impoverished places like africa and they just want to keep enough alive and working to mine lithium exactly and and gold and silver and any of the resources that we in the enlightened world need and you slaves and that's what they really are you know i always love how the left talks about slavery and white supremacy well what the heck do you think you're doing in places in africa right now come on exactly it it Uh, is your white supremacy that is putting little children that are age four and five working 12 hours a day mining lithium uh, and, and they're dying at a young age from being poisoned, but you don't, well, I'll just come out and say it, you don't give a damn. That's what it boils down to. And it You're angers me. Right. It angers me. These globalists talk about saving the planet and they're killing children on the continent of Africa to steal their resources. Well, now you talk about killing. fascism, you talk about globalism, you talk about communism, you talk about Satanism. You're watching it play out with the EVs right now. Exactly. It's just it's just another form of genocide. But to get back to the Bill Gates thing real quick, and then I'll, I'll comment on what you just said. Um, on the farm ground, food is just an extension of medicine, because if you want to look at it bluntly, you know, without food, we die. So food is, in a way, it's a medicine. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to control that. And remember all the posters of the starving children in Africa? Oh, yeah. Well, Bill Gates probably hangs those on his wall as uh, trophies because that's your talk about the mining, the lithium, and the people in Africa are trying to wake up. Well, the more they wake up, the more they might be forced someday to go back into their old ways Mm -hmm. of total slavery Mm -hmm. because they're going to be starving because people like Bill Gates are going to use food as a weapon, not only against you and me, but against these poor people in Africa. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the war in Ukraine, Mm -hmm. where they said for humanitarian reasons they were getting X amount of shiploads that were destined for Africa, well, they were diverted to Europe. Mm -hmm. And only a handful of the ships that that were supposedly to Africa made it. And 
so we're looking at just such an evil world right now that most most evil people in charge of almost everything. And I think Bill Gates but is those one evil of the biggest people, villains. Let's pause right here before you get back to that. Hold that thought. This evil has been growing for hundreds of years. Yes. And, and this is nothing new. I keep reminding everybody, the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. And it is true. The thing is, there's just less restraint in these days. You know, we're accepting evil on the surface. 50 years ago, but let's go back. Well, let's go back to the 1980s, late 1980s, presidential run. If you had a moral indiscretion, you were toast. I mean, it threw, what, Edwards out of the race, and he was trending pretty high back in 1988, you know, for the 88 election. Right. But instead, he he was tossed out of that race entirely. Why? Gary Hart. Same Gary, say All of them, yes. Gary Hart, too. All of these people, we, we, we didn't tolerate that among our leadership. If people had any clue of what was going on in the background with the JFK or even Lyndon Johnson, things we now know, they never would have been elected in this country. We had at least a modicum of moral fiber still in existence. Well, but Bill was- Clinton overturned that. The media rallied around him. Yeah, that's exactly the truth. That Bill Clinton was the one that initiated it. But you also have to do something like locally as you drive through neighborhoods that you have known for years and you look at the people that lived in the houses and their cars they drove and how they acted mm-hmm. and how they dressed. And 20 years later, you drive by and all these people yep. are now either moved off or they have deceased. And they're being replaced with people that are not as conscientious as far as work ethic, people that don't have the morality. Mm -hmm. It's a generational thing. And you can go on the internet and look at before and after pictures. It'll just break your heart, especially of Detroit. Yes. Of pictures of a hundred years ago. And then they have a picture of the same building today. Mm -hmm. And even, even, I'll go back, let's say, 50 years ago, before the great decline hit, before the automotive industry began to really topple and be destroyed uh, by the Arab oil embargoes and everything else. Now, I will say that it's, uh, let's be honest, the big three for the longest time or for really big four for a number of years took everything for granted that they would always be the automakers to America, GM, Ford, Chrysler, and even American Motors, formerly known as Rambler. And they knew that other companies had come and gone, like the Hudson, the Studebaker, and a few others down the road. But they thought they had it locked. And they got complacent. And then the Japanese cars came in, and the German cars came in, and their quality control was much better. And we weren't following the trends of the gas prices going up. And the beginning of the end started, plus the greed factor of people thinking that, well, you know, just keep increasing my income uh, and I want to do less. I want to do I want more for doing less. And the cost of the car goes up and then those companies leave. I was looking at a picture of Detroit back in the 1960s. Still, 
a city that I would have wanted to work in as a radio announcer early in my career. Oh, yeah. Many did. They they were they would work on the Canadian side in Windsor for a station like CKLW. One of my friends did that in the late 1960s. You know, he's a little bit older than I am, and he did a few years working at the Big 8, you know, CKLW. And I can remember listening to it, and I could remember saying, man, I wish I could be and work at that station and be on at night and cover, you know, 38 states and five provinces of Canada. You know, what, what a job that would be. And now Detroit's population is, it's down 60%. Yeah, and, and it's and they're impoverished, and it's it's not good. I wanted to make a quick comment on, you know, about the different makes of cars that have disappeared. Almost all the innovation that was done, you know, to the American automobile to Mm -hmm. advance it was done by the smaller corporations and smaller companies that had to have an edge to make a sale. Like Tucker. Yeah, Tucker. uh, Studebaker was the first production car with uh, disc brakes. And just, you know, everything from seat belts to safety glass to all the way through, the small companies would put their money into it and hire these fresh, young designers that were really good at designing. Mm-hmm. And then after they would be proven in the market, well, then the big three or the big four would hire them out and they'd hire these these fresh, young, bright people that were working at the Hudson's and the Studebaker's and so forth. And they hired them away to work at General Motors and Ford. And so they kind of used the small companies as a kind of like a minor league baseball team. You know, they used them to as the people progressed through the smaller companies and they had promised, well, they would eventually move on to the larger companies when all of that was taken away, and the reason it was taken away is the Marshall Plan with, after World War II, all of the people that were investing in companies were told to invest in Japan and Germany. And so you had plants like the Studebaker plant, and we have a lot of tractors that went away, the Minneapolis, Moline, Oliver, all of these companies they needed to be refurbished after World War II because they went through a Great Depression with no money, and then they had to fight a world war, and they were not tooled up to go back to post-war production. Mm -hmm. And so they needed large amounts of cash. Well, the cash wasn't there. It went to Japan. And so you had all your small companies just dry up on the vine because they had no money, and all the money that should have been invested in our country was invested in Germany and Japan. And that's why Germany and Japan was able to rise up out of the ashes and come and not only compete, but actually beat us as far as, you know, some products and just worldwide sales and so forth. And we sowed those seeds back in the late 1940s. And we didn't see the fruit from those seeds until the late 1960s and all through the 1970s. And it's kind of like the New World Order people. They're patient. They're sowing seeds right now. And and they don't care. And here's one of the things most people forget. The enemy of your soul that inspires a lot of this evil, they know that their minions may never see the plan come to fruition in their lifetime or their children's or grandchildren's lifetime, but they continue to work toward the goal. 
Exactly. And unfortunately, too many conservatives and yes, dare I say Christians, they want instant results that they see now or they don't get involved. They do not invest. They do not want to be a part. They want instant gratification, which is another evil of our society, instant everything. And, oh, yeah. and, and so we have that to contend with. Evil will delude the mind where people see their part of their job and they will do it without question and do it their entire life and their children and children's children and grandchildren, great-grandchildren. And we, well, I don't see any progress. I'm doing something else. And they, we, we give up too easy. And, and they're counting on that. Exactly. You are 100% right. We, we, we worry about so much our immediate today. We forget the past. We don't think about the future. Now, the Bible says, you know, worry not about the future. It's got enough concern. You plan for it, but you don't worry about it. I mean, I make plans for retirement. I've been making plans for retirement, even though I'm supposed to be retired, but I'm still making say, plans. You were retired, Bob. <laughs> I'm still making plans. And so, you know, you, you wisdom says you, you kind of prepare for the unexpected and the expected. You want to be ready for what may happen. But I don't obsess about it. I, there's no oh, need to. Can't. And the it's, Bible just says to look at the signs of his coming. Be prudent. I mean, be as, you know, as you've said it, you've quoted that scripture. You know, be as wise as and as and as cunning as, a, you know, be as gentle as as a dove, but be as prepared as a snake. You know, I mean, exactly. we have to understand that that's how the world is. And, and we cannot be naive, but we cannot be obsessed. And we need well, to recognize we have a thing we must be doing as well in reaching the world and, and sharing truth. You're absolutely right. You use the word naive. And boy, do we have a bunch of naive people on this planet right now. They just don't see, they don't see things that, <clears throat> that you see. They don't see things that I see. And I've been doing a lot of thinking about that, wondering how come we have so much ignorance and people so naive. And a lot of it, I think God is revealing to his people different things that he needs to reveal to them at this time. I really do believe that the spirit of God is, is moving and some people are meant to see things and hear things and other people are either can't or won't. Maybe God is talking to them and they're not listening. I don't know the, you know, how that actually works, but I do know that I'm finding out that people that think like-minded seem to have the same type of revelations given to them independently. And as they talk about certain events, and their feelings towards it, they will say, you know, the bottom line of, of how they got to their conclusion and what they think. And the person they're talking to will say, you know, that's exactly the same thing that happened to me. And so I think that, that, you know, the Bible talks about a great delusion. And I think we have an awful lot of people who are delusional. But in this instant world that you mentioned, everything has to be instant or else they lose interest. I really think a lot of people need to be still and listen for God because I think God is speaking to people right now. I think he's really trying to gather his remnant. And I think that I think we all have a job to do or else we wouldn't be here. I don't think God would have put us on this world if we didn't have something 
that we could offer the kingdom of God. And I think that too many people just aren't taking the time to be still and let God be God and listen and then obey, you know, what God tells you to do. Okay, Jim, you know the drill at this point in the program. We we need to take a break. And when we come back, we'll continue this conversation. I want to share with the audience, and I'll mention it again on the other side of the break. There's some things happening in the background that are going to be very exciting, and I hope to have some news to share by Monday. We're looking at ways to get this word out and other programs out to you. Now, number one, Truth to Ponder, this program is predominantly shortwave. It is also a podcast, and there are some expenses with doing a podcast, but not near as much as as shortwave radio. My time is free. The airtime is not. I've mentioned that many a time before. So understand, when we raise money for this radio program, the money goes to covering those airtime expenses that we have and we have incurred. We've recently added WTWW at 9 p.m. and 11 p.m. at night Eastern Time. We might even be adding a daytime airing as well in the afternoon. We're, We're looking at it. The airtime is not free. My time is, but the airtime is not. Would you consider supporting our effort, maybe for the first time, to keep us on shortwave radio? The podcast does well, but I think more people are listening on shortwave. If you can help us, go to the website, truththenumber2ponder.com, truththenumber2ponder.com, or make a check or money order payable to Ancient Word Radio, Ancient Word Radio, Post Office Box 510, Post Office Box 510, Chilhowie, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowie, Virginia, zip code 24319. Once again, Ancient Word Radio, P.O. Box 510, Chilhowie, Virginia, 24319. When I get back, I've got a few other things to share that that I think you're going to find exciting. This is Truth to ponder with Bob Beerman. Behold a woman. <laughs> Shalom Aleichem. This is Jonathan Kahn, the nice Jewish boy. Your Jewish connection bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. The story of Ruth is Ruth goes down to the threshing floor, waits for Boaz to lay down, go to sleep. He does. She lays down at his feet. Boaz wakes up and then the Bible says in some of the most understated words <laughs> ever, Behold a woman. (laughs) Same thing happened in the beginning when Adam was sleeping. Behold a woman. Now, in the case of Boaz and Adam, this all happened before they got married. But in the case of most men, it happens after they get married. Because for Boaz, there was a woman at his feet. He was sleeping. He didn't notice her. So with husbands in marriage, well, they often fall asleep to their wives. They end up getting used to them, taking them for granted, forgetting the joy and the miracle, the gift of the other person's life, forgetting the behold, the wonder of the other person. Men fall asleep to their wives all the time in front of the television set or wrapped up in the work or careers or in a million things. Well, man, you got to learn from Boaz. It's time to wake up. There's a woman at your feet. She's a gift from God and you can't take it for granted. She's the most precious gift you've been given after salvation. You need to treasure her, cherish her, love her. But you can't do any of that if you don't see her. And it's not just for husbands. We all tend to take for granted the people who are most precious and close to us in our lives. And we fall asleep. In the fact, we only have a limited time to love them. They're gifts from God, our loved ones, our parents, our children, our spouses, our relatives, our friends. It's time we woke up to treasure the treasure God's given us. 
but it starts when we behold them. And for all you husbands out there, it's time for you to see that precious gift that you were given to love and cherish. It's time for you to wake up, look at that person who's been with you all this time and say, behold, a woman. (laughs) Want more? Ask for uncovering his feet on CD. Now imagine being plugged into a special line, let you know on future events, news behind the news, biblical prophecy, updates on Israel, world events, what you need to know as an end time believer, plus teachings and strength for every day of your week. You will get that in Sapphires and the mystery of the temple doors on CD. You'll love it all free. How do you get your free gifts? Easy. Remember Yeshua, Jesus' real Hebrew name, and you dial it. Just call to receive your free gifts 1-800-YESHUA-1. You will be blessed, but call now. That's 1-800-YESHUA-1. I invite you to join me in, in reaching the peoples of this world, unreached peoples in the most incredible way from Moscow to Jerusalem. It's amazing. The farthest way you'll ever impact the world through shortwave radio. It's amazing. Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or you can write me direct. Here's how. So write to the nice Jewish boy at box 1111 Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 076 Forty-four. That's the nice Jewish boy. Box one 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 one, Lodi, L O D I, New Jersey, 07644. Well, till next time, this is Jonathan Khan saying, "Behold." Well, you know the rest. Shalom aleichem. Peace be to you and Messiah, Hechatan, the bridegroom. This is truth to ponder. With Bob Bierman. And I welcome you back to the Thursday edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. Today, my guest will be getting back to in just a moment, Jim Calhoun, who you hear uh, frequently on Truth to Ponder, especially on Wednesdays. And you're hearing a lot of his programming on WTWW. But I, I thought it'd be nice if Jim and I had the opportunity to get together and just share. Now, I will tell you that you know, I know Jim is having a hard time hearing me. He had to explain what he's doing to kind of cobble this the desire to do a program together. So we, we are kind of working in some primitive surroundings, but it's working, and I'm thankful for that. I know that I want to share real quick from my heart. I, I've talked about it a little bit. Uh, already, and I'll be talking about it a little bit more tomorrow and next week. We are growing this program on shortwave. I'm, I'm still an absolute believer. I didn't go to shortwave and disappear after I got everybody to the internet and come back to you know rope in some more. I, I believe in using this this medium because many don't, and, and I know that most people do not have a shortwave radio, but many people do, and more people are getting them. I've, I've had story after story about somebody finds the podcast and they buy a shortwave radio. They're amazed at the world they can find on that radio. And they know that when the Internet is down one day or their ISP doesn't want. Let me share this real quick. Had a friend of mine saying that when they're at their one location, they have a home and their business. And they at some places they go to my this program is blocked by the ISP, but not at the other location. So it already is beginning to happen. We're already beginning to be filtered. And so having platforms that are hard to identify, you know, by the tech tyrants, having platforms that, you know, can go around them uh, is becoming increasingly important. And and also to use, I believe, I believe use every tool we have in the toolbox that we know how to use. 
Now, there are some things I'm not an expert on, but I also know that a lot of people are doing streaming these days, video and audio, and that's why we are considering putting together a Roku channel. It will not be a full television station. I don't see it doing that anytime soon. But everything from this radio program, some video material from others that I know. Um, I know Jim Calhoun and I were talking before, and we'll talk about this in just a minute, uh, is thought about putting some some television programs on how to live off grid. And, of course, the church service. And, and I'll, I may do some video material. And I've got, a, like I say, I've got a lot of people that... God has said to do a little something, but they don't know where to where to platform it and where to put it out. Well, the Lord laid on my heart, you know, technology and doing a Roku channel used to be hard. I think we can do this and make it available to those that have cut the cord and are just worrying about, just use streaming like I do. And a Roku TV set, many people own them. A little Roku box are like under $20. And you can actually have... HD quality and better television. And that's what we'll provide to you. So it's just one of many things, plus the expansion of shortwave. I'm a believer in using the power of shortwave. And increasingly, I've got several little radios. I've got one that I can literally charge with the sun. And it is tiny. It'll fit in my pocket. But it incredibly, with its little antenna, can pick up virtually all the airings of this program here at my home in Virginia. And so that will be a vital tool, I believe, in the future. Now, once again, Jim Calhoun is my guest today. We don't often get an opportunity to do this. You're normally just producing and getting the program to me. And we and I, I asked you the other day, it'd be nice if we could get together and, and just share a little time. You're down there on the farm. And, and as we come back to this segment, you've spent a lot of time living off grid. And most Americans, and even myself to a degree included, we become very dependent upon the utilitarian world in which we live, where the water and the electricity and and the grocery stores take care of our needs and the gas stations. And you, you're a little bit more self-sufficient than the average bear. What recommendations do you have? We're going to break it into two parts here. For those that live in a rural area like you, and then what can people that live in a more urbanized area do to be to be more prepared? Well, that's kind of a complicated question, but I will do my best to, to answer it to where the people who are listening can get something out of it and maybe put something into practice. First of all, on my situation... I'm set up just perfect. I've been off grid now for over 12 years, and I have water that runs through my property 24-7, just two miles from the source of the spring. So I have basically fresh spring water that's running across my property, so I don't have to worry about water issues. And then also, I live in very fertile bottomland, and so I can grow any food that I need to grow. And... I forage a lot, which means I go out and look at natural plants that God put here for us to eat that for some reason they weren't deemed commercially viable and so they were called weeds when some cultures actually cultivate what we call weeds and there are some very nutritious plants and so I've learned to identify 
every edible plant in my area. And also I have the ability to hunt and fish and I raise cows and, and chickens. And so I've pretty much got my, you know, life in order as far as preservation food wise and water and shelter and, and, you know, that kind of thing. But I stress on my show that people need to be more self-sufficient and that when things really go horrible, which I unfortunately feel that that's right around the corner, that there's not going to be anybody on 911 they're going to be able to call. There's not going to be mm-hmm. a cavalry coming over the hill. It's going to be you against whatever problem that you're up against. And if you're not prepared mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, if you're not prepared for moments that will either make or break you, well, then you're probably going to get broken. And I don't want to see anyone get hurt because I think all this world situation, of course, it's driven by Satan, but none of it has to be happening. The wars, the economy, all, all this is, is contrived. It's man-made. It's put there to hurt you and me and the common people. I just really do believe mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And so what the common person has to do is to have to build a, a, a hedge against what the evil people can actually do to you. Now, like for me, for instance, I don't get any bills in the mail, no utilities at all, because I produce everything myself. And so it's so liberating not to get a power bill and not to get you mm-hmm. know, any bills at all. I heat my house with wood, so I don't have any electricity or, well, I make my own electricity. So when I use electricity, it's, it's, you know, I produced it and then I produce my own heat with wood and I forage and I, I do all sorts of things to, I think, make myself more self-sufficient. And if everything would just shut off and everything would stop. And I think that's kind of the main goal of these wars is to try to disrupt supplies. Absolutely. And, and I'm not going to be near as affected. I'm, I'm prepared for that. Plus, I literally know how to go out to my hay bales, and I know which plants to pick out of the hay that's actually edible. Mm-hmm. That I'm, you know, I'm I'm hardcore. I can I could survive. You could put me out in the middle of nowhere in in a teepee, and I'd be just fine. And I don't want to say, you know, everyone needs to be that, you know, hardcore about no, it. No, but I think some people do to be able to help the others that aren't or can't be for whatever reason. Exactly. Look, God laid something on my heart years ago, and it still may happen. I mean, I I really, we're coming into a, a very strange world. And while we have technology at our fingertips to use things like Roku and radio, because, hey, a lot of, let me just be very blunt. When the world collapses, if you think the shortwave radio stations with their 100,000-watt transmitters are going to be running, don't think it's not. I mean, where are they going to get their power from? Those massive power bills, you know, they're five figures. I mean, they're huge. They're bigger than most wealthy people's salaries are in a year to run some of these things for a month. So there's not going to be the power to run these mega transmitters. There's not going to be staff that's going to be able to work there to take care of the transmitters. And there's going to be nobody selling the spare parts that they inevitably need every month. So don't be deceived to think that 
yeah, when the world collapses and the Internet's down, I'll be able to listen to WTWW. No, you won't. It's going to be gone, too. And that's the dirty, I mean, outside of what I think is going to be some pirate operations running at lower powers on dipole antennas that can be using solar power, uh, the big stations are going to be gone if they, if they can operate at all. Generators are great, but they take fuel. And if you can't get the fuel to the generator, you're going to be down. And, and I don't know of a shortwave, privately owned shortwave radio station that has a generator for any of the big transmitters because it's unaffordable. You cannot afford the maintenance on these things. I so, think, though, the, the beauty of shortwave, though, is the fact that let's say that we're hit with an, a, a pulse and it wipes out our grid and our infrastructure mm-hmm. and we lose all of our Internet. We lose the shortwave. If it's a localized event, we can still pick up shortwave possibly from Europe or South America or uh, somewhere else that has not been affected. I've always thought the Caribbean and places like Belize would be an, a wonderful location to build, you know, basically 10, 20, and 25,000 watt shortwave stations with high gain antennas. You could reach the entire United States from Belize. And you wouldn't yep. need 100,000 watts to do it. That's that, I just true. know that any ham operator out there is listening to me, right? Like, yeah, Bob, preach it. I mean, I can already <laughs> hear it. And and I'm going to tell you, even 1,000 watts would, would, you know, carrier power would do enormously well if you and cover parts of the United States just fine. And that could be run by solar. I think there's enough free thinkers, especially in the radio business, that I've coming acquainted with, uh, such as yourself, that free speech is near and dear to them. Mm-hmm. And if they get it shut off by someone pulling the plug, so to speak, that they will find another way. And I think that, you know, if everything gets shut down, you might go a week or a month and not have mm-hmm. any shortwave reception, but you'll find something. Yeah, someone will. Someone is going to do something to keep it oh, going. Oh, I know that's people that are beauty. already planning in that direction. They'll be ready in a in a day. And that's the most beautiful part of shortwave is that it, when the internet goes down and the servers go down, where are the servers? Where's the cloud? Who fixes what? How do you do it? Mm-hmm. It's just something that is so foreign to me and most people but radio has been around now for over 100 years and it's it's got its old timers that know how to work with the vacuum tubes and the rectifiers and but we're all yeah but those of us are you know i'm 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 a youngster in that i'm 69 years old now and i'm a youngster but you're still here and there's others others as well that are still here that can pass on their knowledge or can keep things going or fix things. Mm-hmm. And so I think that having a short wave, even if we do lose our big stations, I think that that is eventually going to pay dividends. And you say you think some people could get up in a day. Oh, I sure hope so. And I know that that the people who are in radio that still hang on right. to that the ones that I have spoken to have a common thread going through them, and they're they're not rebels, but they they don't give up. They're they're tenacious. That's right. the word I'm looking for. Let me just throw one. We're about we're going to run out of time here, so I got to rush this little thought along. 
and maybe we'll get together in a week or so and do this program again and give you some time to think about it. The Lord laid on my heart a word a number of years ago when I began this program. This is back even before COVID hit, the word community, the word working together in our, in our communities. We don't have to live in a compound. We don't have to live in a commune, but we need to be in a community. And, and that's knowing who your neighbors are that are like-minded, uh, Christians, finding Christians. And I believe God will, by his, his Holy Spirit, draw many individuals together that otherwise would not be drawn together. And whether that community be where you are in Nebraska or where I am in Southwest Virginia or maybe in the middle of the state of Florida, maybe a campground, whatever it may be, a place of refuge as those that God leads to leave the city. And I'm afraid to tell people this, and I have to say it. The true body of Christ in the United States today is not millions upon hundreds. You know, it's not it's not 200 million people. I'm so tired of hearing this. Oh, they died and they're in a better place. That's you know, I don't I'm afraid that's not true. It is a remnant church. It is a small body. Very much. And, yeah. and people, they want to think that all dogs go to heaven kind of thinking. Uh, for people that they lived a good life oh they were decent people no it's going to be a remnant and i think those in that remnant will know when the day is coming because they'll be called to leave that city and they will find those places already prepared as a sanctuary and a community where they can be received by those that god has already called out but those communities need to be more self-sustaining to not be in invoked into the beast system Correct. Any quick thought? By the way, uh, your program airs quite a bit on on WTWW, Living Off Grid. How can people find out about your other program and what you do? Real fast. Okay, real fast. You can find out about my programs by going to the website, which is offgridliving.faith. And also, I have a music show called Harmony Barn Sessions, and it's on WBCQ, it's on WRMI, and also it's on WTWW. And generally, that's on in the evenings uh, during the weekdays. And so, you're just going to have to listen to one of those stations, uh, one of those, you know, during one night, it'll be on one station, another night on another. But generally, you'll be able to catch it that way. And... As far as you asked a question a while back, about five minutes ago, I wanted to end with this, is that the way you can be self-sufficient is that if enough people are self-sufficient, then you can have your community of self-sufficiency. So you have to start with you. And you ask what people could do. If you're out in the countryside, well, that's easy. Just study, find out what's edible, find out your sources of protein, and look at the vitamins and the things, the essential things you need for life, God put them here for free everywhere. All you have to do is identify it. And if you live in the cities, you're not going to have that luxury, but you can still find things, edible uh, plants that grow along the side of buildings and they're everywhere. And so also if you live in an urban area or if you live yeah, in an urban area, you need to do the same thing. And it just seems to me that if you're trapped in the cities, you have to get out if you can, because, you know, that's not a very good place to be in times of crisis. 
And so I would say, in closing, when you walk into a building that you don't know, a lot of times people will look at the exits and find out if they have to leave because of a fire or some emergency. They want to know where the exits are. So in your life, you have to look for the exits. You have to look for the avenues where you can go for safe refuge and have that in the back of your mind. You go about your daily business, but have in mind a way to leave the city or have a bug out place or what have you. Just make sure that you know where the exits are. My guest in the program today, Jim Calhoun, who you hear frequently as my guest host on this program. I thought it'd be kind of nice if he and I could find the time to connect together to have a conversation to share with you. Jim has been just a blessing to me during this past year in particular and also prior to that when working on rebuilding a transmitter facility. I I didn't have as much time to put into the program and Jim just stepped up to the plate to make sure I had that extra day to get other work done. And then we made the move to Virginia and I experienced a health issue. And if it wasn't for Jim, I, I don't know how I would have been able to do this program over the past year. And so I'm thankful for the work and the ministry that Jim has and his program, of course, Off Grid Living. And so thank Jim. Let me know you listen. Every once in a while, it's encouraging to, to me to hear from you. You can do that by writing me an email directly, bob at truth, the number two, ponder.com, bob at truth, the number two, ponder.com. Let me know how you listen. Maybe, maybe it's on shortwave radio. Maybe it's simply as a podcast. Whatever. Let me know. It helps me in determining how we grow this program in the future. Now, I should be sharing more next week about the potential Roku channel so you can hear the program, eventually see various videos on a streaming channel. And it'll be free. There'll be no paywall of any kind. I just want to make sure the information you need is accessible to you. Shortwave radio is still the primary method of distribution of this radio program. And the airtime, we need to pay for it. If you can help us, would you consider doing it today? You can support us from the website, truth2ponder.com. You have to kind of hunt for the support tab. That's truth2ponder.com. Or make a check or money order payable to Ancient Word Radio, Ancient Word Radio, Post Office Box 510. P.O. Box 510, Chilhowie, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowie, Virginia, 24319. Once again, Ancient Word Radio, Post Office Box 510, Chilhowie, Virginia, zip code 24319. That zip code again, 24319. And we will see you tomorrow for the weekend edition. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's truth. The number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder. Shining the light of truth in a darkening world.